The Enneagram for me has been a great insight as a business owner, as a somebody who works with from a communication style with clients to be able to give them language again, not just like the physical beyond the physical emotional calendar clutter, but to give them language for some of the reasons why they may intuitively lend their personality towards certain ways. You are listening to The Productivity Podcast. This is not just another productivity podcast that puts more pressure on you to wake up at 5 a.m., work eight hours a day, or check off 100 tasks to be productive, successful, and happy. Hey there, I'm Brittany Dixon, and we're here to create your life by design and explore the true end goal of productivity, to live a meaningful, impactful, fulfilled life and business without sacrificing your family. We are here to give you the bite-sized productivity hacks and digital organizing tips to create routines in your life and business that free up your time for family, more self-care, creativity and passion projects, bougie meals, travel, or whatever makes you happy. We're here to help you work smarter, not harder, and live the life you love without the burnout. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. So super excited today. We are going to be diving in and sharing how your Enneagram personality can really affect how you deal with clutter and helping us is Lori Palau with Simply Be Organized. Lori, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thank you. It is my pleasure to talk about one of my favorite topics or two of my favorite topics, Enneagram (laughs) and clutter. So I love it. I love it. So Lori's an author, podcaster, and business owner. And you can obviously read about her more in our show notes and check out her podcast that I actually had the pleasure of being on at simplybeorganized.com. And I'm episode number 267. And she has some amazing other guests on there. So definitely go check her out. But Lori, why don't you dive in and give us a little bit about your background and your journey? Well, um, I'll try to give you the top line overview. (laughs) Um, So I, in my previous life, and there is some connection points, which is why I'll bring it up. I was an executive recruiter for 15 years. I know you deal with a lot of women business owners and entrepreneurs, and um, I love working with people. I love trying to figure out what motivates them and what makes them tick. And my first career... I helped them do that, really unpacking that in the job front. What motivated them? Was it, you know, flexibility in your schedule? Was it more money? Was it, I want to travel? I want more time at home, whatever it was. And so I really, I loved understanding the why. That was always kind of a theme in my life. And I didn't realize that till later on when I started looking back and seeing, oh, there's a lot of, you know, through lines in the things that I do. And then in 2009, I decide to make a crazy leap of faith and pivot my career entirely and start a professional organizing business and started that. So for anybody that's out there, that's looking at trying to follow, turn up your passion into a profession. I am living proof that <laughs> I just dog right in. And it's funny because right before I have done this podcast, I was recording an episode for my podcast and I was talking to an Enneagram one who, if anybody knows, and we'll talk a little bit about the Enneagram, it's personality typology. Enneagram ones are the perfectionist and they're very detail oriented. And I'm an Enneagram eight. I am pretty bold and just take more of a risk taker 
and like, it'll be fine kind of thing. And we were talking both about our journeys into starting professional organizing businesses and hers was so much more by the book textbook. And I was just like, let's start a business and see what happens. You know, so I I was like, it's it's really interesting. But I started this business to really help people simplify their lives. And I know you had a professional organizing business as well. And I think, you know, we get into it because we have a God-given gift to be able to see vision and how to simplify, whether that's simplifying your time or simplifying your space and using it more effectively, whatever that looks like. And, and I love doing it. And I love seeing really the freedom that it gave people. That was really what it was. It wasn't so much about the bin or the basket um, as much as I do enjoy that. Don't get me wrong, (laughs) but it was really about that, watching that weight lift off of somebody else. And that's what really drew me in. And that's what got me energized every day to get up and do what I was doing. Yeah, for sure. And you touched on passion into like turning it into a business type of thing. And um, I had this book that I read that was like the game changer for me because I was basically like, oh, it's so easy. Like no one's going to pay me to organize because like, it's so easy. Like it's, I can't make a business out of that. And it's called Ordinary Superpowers by a local um, author here in Columbus. And he literally was like, if it's easy for you, there's so many people that it's not easy for. And I'm like, oh my God, that's such a great point. <laughs> and to your True. point too, like the through line through all of the things that you did, right? Like I organized events prior to organizing houses prior to organizing businesses and just looking back through all of that. Even when I worked in restaurant industry, when I was younger, I'm like, I was always trying to put the plates in a place that made more sense to like grab things and be streamlined. (laughs) I, I kid you not. This is a true story. And I've never shared this on another podcast. I will walk into a store, like a clothing (laughs) store and I immediately, and I don't even realize it, I'll look at the fixtures, not like the lighting fixtures, like the, like the organizing fixtures. Yep. And I am drawn to that before I'm drawn to like the clothes, like, Oh, what do you have your shoes displayed on? I'm looking at the display, (laughs) not the shoe. Like the writing was on the wall years ago. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, So you can definitely turn your passion into a business because if you're good at it and it's easy for you, it's not easy for everyone else. So yeah. Right. And the key for me that I think you talk about your ordinary superpowers is I love to talk. And I think I did a really good job at articulating what I was doing to teach it to my clients. So I wasn't just coming in there to make their space look pretty and walk out the door. I was really teaching them strategies. And I loved that piece of it. I loved getting them to see, this is the why I'm doing this. And here's how you can start to implement this and whether that requires sure. a changing in your behavior or shifting in mindset or whatever that yeah. looks like. And yeah. um, I did the same thing. So I'm like, I, I don't want you me to have to come back and do this for you. Like I want to teach you how to do it and why we're doing it the way we're doing it so that you can do it on your own. Like, yeah, that would be great for business, right? If I kept coming back over and over and over, but like, you've got to learn those strategies and figure out what works the best and then do it yourself. So. I was doing that for several years and started just to kind of develop a framework like you yeah. most entrepreneurs do in their business, right? Yep. You figure out kind of what your model is and you customize it to your particular audience, but you have your framework that you work through. And my framework was pretty simple. I identified three main types of clutter, physical yeah. clutter, which was the stuff that you see, your emotional clutter, which was kind of the guilt or fear yeah. that held you from taking progress. 
And then the third type was calendar clutter, which is like that time management piece, you know, (laughs) thinking of, I'm going to say yes to all the things, but I'm not going to take anything off my plate. So again, you're struggling. I use that language to try to get people to articulate and understand, okay, this is kind of where the root of where my clutter is coming from. And then we can apply strategies to it. I know probably not everyone knows Enneagram personalities. I know it's really big in the online space and business owners. And for anybody that doesn't know what the Enneagram personality test is, can you kind of give us a little bit of background? Absolutely. Yeah. So in a nutshell, Enneagram is a personality typology framework. So a lot of your listeners might be familiar with Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders or DISC or Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies. I talk all about different personality types and they're all great. And I'm a personality type junkie. Like I've read and learned about all of them. And so when I was introduced to the Enneagram, it was new to me. In actuality, the Enneagram is like over 4,000 years old. So it's not a new thing. It's just became in the past like five years or so kind of gotten a a resurgence in popularity. But what I love about the Enneagram, unlike other personality types, is that it talks about your motivation. It's the why behind the behavior. So it's not just what you do, but it's why you do what you do. And there are nine core types. So there's nine main types. And then there's all these layers like an onion. The more you peel it back, the deeper it goes. But to be very top line, there's nine core types, each with its own distinct characteristics. Not one type is better than the other. Other thing that I love about the Enneagram, in addition to the fact that it's the why, which is what I like to do with clutter, is that it's fluid. It's you can move within your number. You have a dominant number, but there's a little bit of every number in all of us so that you can really work on building up the parts of you that are great and showcase those and the parts that are like your weaker parts or you're intuitively not as strong. You can be intentional about putting more guardrails in place to build those up and reduce the amount of shame and frustration that we feel of like, why am I not good at this? Yeah. <laughs> and you can apply that to anything in life, right? You can apply like people who are natural athletes, people who are naturally good at music, some people who are naturally skinny or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> there are people that things come really, really naturally to and things that people have to work at. And I've always said organizing is a learned skill. It's a learned behavior. Um, and we can do that. And so the longer I started studying, so when I started studying the Enneagram, I was really just doing it for my own personal self discovery. I had no intention going into it, looking at it as I'm going to try to bring this into my business model. It was more for just learning about myself and getting some additional insight and framework. You crave a community of like-minded individuals who just get you. You were looking for the shortcuts and systems to help you work smarter, not harder in your business. You were looking for help with tech and tools. You were looking for the accountability and someone to keep pushing you to move the needle forward. You need to bounce ideas off of others and stop feeling so alone running your business. The Productivity Pod community is here for you. We are all about community, connection, and creating a business that supports your goals and dreams without the burnout and sacrifice. We host a free monthly office hours where you can bring your burning business questions, a coffee and connections call to get to know each other, and a members mingle happy hour for some fun and your favorite beverage. You can post your free offers and events in the group and create co-working pods to get stuff done together. We have a separate app to eliminate social media distractions. Come to the pod with intention. Join free at the productivitypodcommunity.co. 
I love that. And I love how you said that it's a learned skill because it really is like I can teach people all day long how to organize their business, but you have, it's a muscle. Like you've got to keep doing it, keep doing it. Like it is not a one size fits all. It's not a one and done. Like it, it is a skill that you have to do every single day and you get better and better at it. So I love that. And then um, I see a lot of people too, that they're like, well, I downloaded this app and it was supposed to change my life. And I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't work for how you work. It doesn't work for your work style, for your personality, which is, I'm sure we're going to dive into a lot of that. Right. And I see too many people, like you said, the guilt and the shame, like beating themselves up, but I downloaded all the apps and none of them are working and none of the things are working for me. Um, I think that's a huge thing. And I think that there's a ton of overwhelm with that because they try to download all of them and then none of them work Mm -hmm. because they didn't put the right one in place. So absolutely. And so for me, when I started learning about the Enneagram, and I'm, I say this with anything, and I think you kind of touch on this, is there's all these great tools out there. I don't think any one tool is the gospel or the end all be all. And some people love this particular product or service for what it does and how it serves you in this particular season of your life or in this area. The Enneagram for me has been a great insight as a business owner, as a somebody who works with, from a communication style with clients to be able to give them language again, not just like the physical beyond the physical emotional calendar clutter, but to give them language for some of the reasons why they may intuitively lend their personality towards certain ways, but then also to give them a roadmap of ways that you can better yourself as opposed to saying, well, I'm an Enneagram eight, so it is what it is. It's right. not an excuse for poor behavior, but it's something that you can use as a learning tool to make yourself a healthier version of yourself. And that's what I love yeah. about it. And I think it too is just the like knowing, right? Like the clarity and seeing that that's what you are and seeing that you connect to so many of these things. And then you can dive into the resources and be like, oh, well, now this can help me better because I know this about myself and it's just going to help you in life and business and everything. So um, you had kind of touched on the three types of clutter. And I know you talk about clutter pitfalls too. Do you want to kind of dive into yeah. a little bit of that? Because I think that's super, super interesting. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I started seeing when I was working with people in their homes is I started seeing these common themes of areas where that people were struggling. I identified what I call the five main clutter pitfalls yep. that people fall into. And so I'll just run through them. The first one is procrastination which (laughs) again, I think all these, we're all going to shake our head in agreement. Uh (laughs) So procrastination, it's the putting it off and people procrastinate for different reasons. Um, But, you know, again, it's that I'll get to it later syndrome. The second clutter pitfall is what I call indecision. It's that I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. Right. (laughs) That has to do with the like fear of making mistakes. So think about something as benign as your mail. You get something in the mail and you're like, huh, I'm not sure. Do I need to hold on to this statement? Do I not? Is this something I need? I'm not sure. So I'm just going to put it here. Yep. (laughs) And then before you know it, this indecision pile, you know, grows into- It gets so much bigger. Yeah. The third one is guilt. And I also couple guilt and fear. Fear isn't its own one, but it can be. But guilt is that whether- it costs a lot of money. I don't want to get rid of it because it costs a lot of money. Yep. Or my kid made this for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> or my grandmother gave this to me. Or it's that guilt that holds you back from making yes. a decision. 
I worked with so many clients. They're like, well, I can't get rid of that. I'm like, you really can. It's not serving you anymore. And they're like, no, but I'm like, okay, okay. All right. It's yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And that ties really closely in with your emotional clutter, right? Right. So you have the guilt and then you have one that everybody knows which is overwhelm, just general overwhelm. So you're like, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to tackle this. And you open that garage, attic, <laughs> closet, fill in the blank. And you're, like, and you're just, nope, never mind. <laughs> yeah, you're like staring down the spiral of going, I don't even know what to do first. So yep. it's just that feeling of overwhelm. And then the fifth one, which it to me is our most valuable commodity. I know you and I've talked about this yep. and that is time. That's somebody that says, I'm not emotionally attached to things. I don't want to, you know, I'm not indecisive, but I'm so busy. I don't have the time. I don't have, and this is where that productivity piece comes For in. Sure. Of how am I being intentional with my time to actually get this stuff done? Whether I'm going to outsource it and delegate it or do it myself. When I would work with people and I started to kind of develop this framework language, yeah. People started to be able to identify, oh, yes, I'm somebody that has struggles with a lot of guilt. I tend to procrastinate. And so my there's a whole, there's like chapters dedicated in my in my book, Hot Mess, about that, specifically yeah. about the types of clutter and the five clutter pitfalls. And then what happened was I learned about the, I started learning about the Enneagram right after my book came out. I started reading about it. And I started going, hmm, I wonder, like I was hypothesizing really. Yeah. <laughs> If there are certain Enneagram types that are gravitated towards certain types of clutter or certain clutter pitfalls. So I just started to talk to people and I started doing research and it's not as linear, just like, let me just spoiler alert. It's not like if you're an Enneagram four, you have this type of clutter. (laughs) Like it's not as black and white as that. What I have developed is some understanding based on characteristics of the Enneagram type, of each of the nine Enneagram types, why they might struggle with any of the three types of clutter and why they might struggle with any of the five clutter pitfalls and then what to do about it. And that's super interesting because again, I think it's just knowing yourself and then knowing where you can find those resources to help take care of that. And when you put together a framework like that, it's just so much easier for someone to follow. We are all about acronyms and frameworks and all the things here. Mm -hmm. So I love it. I guess let's kind of run through the nine different personality types and how those pitfalls and those types of clutter kind of play into each of those. Okay. So I'll give a quick overview. So we'll just go right in chronological order. Perfect. So our Enneagram ones are known as the perfectionist or the improver. And the main kind of driving unconscious motivation is that striving for excellence. And what differentiates, and again, like ones... A lot of times on the surface, somebody will think I'm a type one because I'm an organizer. Yes, that is, but I'm not because my motivation isn't, that's not what my driver motivation is. Yes, that's my behavior, but that's not what my core individual motivation is. And so understanding the one has this internal critic where they are always trying to improve their situation and the world around them. That's really what the motivation is of the one is it's really like, we want to make this a better place. So what in an organizing sense, you would think that's great because your ones characteristically are your list makers, they're detail-oriented, they're responsible, they're follow-through. All of these things are great characteristics. Enneagram ones have a tendency to get tripped up is they have such a striving bar for themselves that 
they will constantly be either researching or revising, thinking that there's always going to be a better version of what they're doing. Of fill in the blank. That can look like procrastination, right? So it can apply to when you're looking at the five clutter pitfalls, you know, you can see it's really someone could look like they're procrastinating, but they're really not procrastinating just because I don't want to do it. It's right. they're not executing that final delivery. Because they know because- there's something better. Yeah. Correct. So again, just trying to understand like that practice that almost that done is better than perfect. For sure. Which makes a lot of sense. I'm a nine wing one, which we didn't talk about wings because that's where you get kind of crazy and stuff. But I was going to say, I don't want to overwhelm the people that are not (laughs) Enneagram people. We'll just stick with the basics. Yeah. We'll just stick with the basics. But no, it's very interesting because, and I don't, I have not dove into this like research wise. Obviously I've just kind of taken the test and done the basics. That rings true in my business. So it makes sense. Yeah. So the Enneagram, so the twos, let's just move on to the twos. So the twos are known as the helper. And like, who doesn't want to be a two? All nine types are great. They all have their amazing qualities that make them unique. And the twos are the helpers. And they're the people that are the first to like bring you a meal and to drive your kids to carpool. You know, a lot of times they're like what you would think of as like the homeroom mom. Again, I'm stereotyping people. So (laughs) there's plenty, but your twos are your helpers. And twos, a lot of times what I've noticed is because twos put themselves last, they're always putting other people people's needs before their own, because their unconscious motivation is to be needed. That is their helper. And that is that, that helper nature is they get validation for being needed by other people. And they don't do it like to be like, Oh, look at me. I'm so great. It's just kind of, again, this is your unconscious motivation. And so what happens is because they're the last thing on the to-do list twos clutter can build up a lot of times, whether it's physical clutter, because I'm so busy running everybody else and taking care of everybody else's needs. I'm not doing stuff for myself. Or I see twos a lot of times struggle with calendar clutter because they are, it's hard for them to say no to people because they want to be liked. They want to be needed. So they will, sure, I'll volunteer for this committee. Sure, I'll sit on that board. Sure, I'll take on that. And so all of these things start to pile up. And as a result, clutter, whether it be in your calendar or in your physical world, tend to become And I think we could take it all a step farther, like in your business too. Like literally, I I know calendar obviously like ties into business too, but like even business decisions and like saying yes to everything in your business and not moving forward because you're like, but I just want to help or doing stuff for free because they're like, but I just want to help. I see that in so many business owners. And I'm like, if you're just helping, like you either have a hobby or like you're not, you're not going to build this into a business if you're never charging for your time. So I just think it's interesting that it goes into the business side too. So, and and also real quick on that note, because especially in my field, I work with a lot of, I coach and mentor other professional organizers growing yep. their business. And with, there's a lot of twos that are also in my industry, which again yep. would make sense because you're helping other people and charging fair market value for your time yes. is a big thing for a two because they're like, oh, but I don't, you know, they, again, you want to take in every stray (laughs) and you want to feel, and you can be kind and you can be helpful and still run a profitable business. Absolutely. So I think that that's, that's really an important point to make is that they're not mutually exclusive. I love so that. I think that that's really the thing about the twos. Awesome. All right. Moving on to threes. Threes. Okay. So the threes are known as the achievers. Yeah. And I like to call 
the threes. My husband is a type three. So I've done a lot of research on threes. Threes, I call them like the shapeshifters because they are great at adapting to the environment that they're in. So threes in business are great at going in and reading a room, right? I mean, in personal life as well, but specifically if you're talking about business, like they can go in there and they can pick out like, who are the players? Who do I need to be networking with? Who do I need to be talking to? And they're really good at adapting, not being fake, but adapting their personality to what is needed at that time. So in leadership, in entrepreneurship, there's a lot of threes who are entrepreneurs because of that nature where threes can run into some trouble. Now, interesting when it comes to clutter, threes, because they're they're very conscious of appearance. And again, okay. I mean that they're shallow people, but yep. the way that they are perceived and the work that they do is a reflection of who they are, right? That's kind of like their self-worth is tied to that. And so when you think about physical clutter and what that looks like, it's disorganization, it's messy. Most of the threes that I've dealt with, either personally or professionally, have an actual like physical aversion to clutter because it would be like having your person be unkempt. You okay, wouldn't go no, out and put sense. yourself out there because even if you feel like a hot mess on the inside, yeah. the three <laughs> is going to look all together. They're going to look like a million bucks out there. If you have a physical space that is disorganized, that's going to breed stress and anxiety. A lot of times threes will, um, they're the first ones to just put it away as opposed to like putting it away in the right spot because they just want to get it out of sight, out of mind. Okay, yep. Um, so just be mindful of that intentionality piece. I think that's my biggest thing. The other thing about threes, which is the opposite of the ones, which is threes have the great model of done is better than perfect. Like they want to get it done and they want to execute and move on, which is great from a productivity standpoint in terms of moving that needle. It goes back to being intentional. And sometimes threes will lack attention to detail. And so when you're talking about being organized, I always tell people, whether you're organizing your time, your calendar, your physical space, the ease of retrieval is really what is most important. A three is quick to put something away, but if they don't put it away with intention, when they go to get it, a lot of times they'll waste time (laughs) because they're like, I put it away in that moment of haste as opposed to taking that extra step to put it where it really belongs. So does that make sense? Uh, So now I, yes, now I need my husband to take it because I don't know what he is, but I feel like he's got some three. Okay. (laughs) He does that. And so, so yeah, so those are the threes. Are we good? Should we move on to the fours? Let's go on to the fours. All right, cool. Okay. So the fours, yeah, keep it moving people. So the fours are known as the individualist or sometimes referred to as the romantic. And they are what you would stereotypically think of as your creative. So their internal motivation is about being unique, not being ordinary. And I have a daughter who's a four. So I, again, done a lot of research about fours. And fours, because their mind are always going and they're like going against the grain, a lot of ways to control their uniqueness. That's their attempt at control is about controlling that uniqueness. A lot of times their physical space is not necessarily their priority. They're more on the emotional side of things and they will give more important value to physical things. Like everything has a meaning, like everything is sentimental. And so I do see fours struggle with emotional clutter. And the other piece with fours, because they are very feeling dominant. And again, in my framework, I talk a lot about kind of like feeling, thinking, and doing and what's dominant and what's not. There are strategies that they can be put into place, but they struggle a lot with like that 
calendar clutter and time management piece. Like I think you would be great with working with a lot of fours because keeping them on a path is really, is really important. They need those guardrails of like, okay, we're staying in this lane and we're not moving. (laughs) So we get to where we need to. I actually, I don't ask my clients to take it. I probably should now that you're saying this, but I think I probably do have a lot of fours because I have a lot of creatives that are like, if you just like, give me the roadmap, I can do it, but I've got to have the roadmap. Like I've got to have that thing in place. Yeah. And so for me, whether this is in work or in personal life, checklists, actual checklists can be a game changer for fours because it gives them the like, this is what I need to do. (laughs) It gives them that guardrail. And as a parent, it checklists saved me hours of screaming (laughs) and lots of tears and all of that stuff. And so I think that's really important. But again, I can also see a lot of fours who have struggled with shame and feelings of defeat. Like I'm just not going to be able to master this because organization might not come as intuitively in the traditional sense as it does to some of the other types. But I will tell you that with strategies and putting those guardrails in place, the things that you do and the things that I teach, like it is doable. It is a learned skill. You just have to work a little harder. It's like somebody who just has to work a little bit more at, you know, mastering their sport, whatever it is. Yeah. Again, going back to, it's a skill, like it's a skill that's a little bit easier for me because of my personality type, but it's still a skill that can be learned. You just have to go through some extra steps. Absolutely. So our fives, now our fives are known as the investigators or the observers. They have a quest for knowledge. And so I don't know if any of your listeners out there, or you're familiar with Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies. A little bit. Yeah. Okay. So she's got um, four different kind of quadrants of people that she categorizes in personality type. And one of them is the questioner. So if you know Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies, your observers, your Enneagram fives are like your questioners. They like knowledge and they like being in the know. Your fives, they're very analytical people. They're your thinkers. Getting them to take action, they need to know the why behind it. And so a lot of times they will get caught up in all the research and not the execution and confuse researching doing the thing as actually doing the thing. Yes. <laughs> I see that a lot in my clients. They're like, well, I listen to this other podcast and this other podcast and this other podcast. And I'm like, okay, we need to stop listening to podcasts for just a little bit and do some implementation now. <laughs> exactly. And that is the biggest thing for fives. Yeah. Um, another thing is now fives have, again, there's this whole thing in the Enneagram, which I don't want to, again, overwhelm yeah. people, <laughs> but it has to do with kind of like your bandwidth of time, right? Like how yeah. much energy somebody has. And there's certain... certain types on the Enneagram spectrum that are like the Energizer Bunny and tend to have more energy than others and some that have less. And fives, they have a, a measured amount of time. So they tend to be very strategic with how they spend it, which can be a good thing right. <laughs> in that they're not over committing themselves to things like other types do, because they know that if they have some self-awareness, they know that, that they will hit a brick wall. Like yeah. they know that mentally they'll hit a brick wall. Um, so using the time that they have wisely is really important. Um, again, I think fives are, all the numbers are great and they all have great qualities, but I think for five, sometimes they just need to focus in on the doing and not so not spend all of their time and energy yes. on the planning and the thinking. Yes. I see that a lot. And I think a lot of it comes to fear too, right? Like fear. hundred percent. 
fear of success because you're like, well, if I just keep learning, 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 like then I can just keep learning. I don't have to actually implement. I don't have to do it. But I think they know if they did implement that it would go really, really well. And that probably scares some people. I know I actually did a podcast about the fear of success, which sounds crazy, right? Like most people are like, oh, I'm scared of failure. I'm like, I'm not scared of that. Like I'm kind of scared of the success piece. I grew up in a super low income family. Like I would have people looking at me like, you're crazy. What do you mean you're a millionaire off the internet? So um, I think that I I have a little bit of that tendency too, where I'm like, oh, just let me organize my Asana over here for a little bit instead of reaching out for sales calls. So it's so crazy how it all ties in together for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the sixes are known as the loyalists. And the sixes are your kind of your worst case scenario thinkers. And so fear, as much as it comes in with the fives and it totally does, does, it also comes through a lot with the sixes. So sixes are planners. They're like always ready for the apocalypse. (laughs) And so they will go through all of these different, you know, emotions. And again, the execution piece can be a little bit difficult for your sixes. Sixes are typically people, again, I'm stereotyping people, but need a little bit of an outer accountability. So they're the people that are going to really want to work with a coach or work with a mentor or be in some sort of accountability group because they like having that extra reminder, that extra like validation of like, I'm doing the right thing. I'm on the right track. I think that knowing that about yourself, like a lot of people that when I was professionally organizing and you knew this from back in your days, you know, you had people where you were like, I want you to be with me by my side the entire time (laughs) versus other people that you could be like, I'm going to give you some homework, you work on this and then we can come back. And a lot of times the sixes just wanted me there to just give them permission, like Yes, this is, you're making the right decision. And so in business, I think six is, if you know this about yourself, then surround yourself with an accountability group, get yourself a coach, do the things that are going to help you move the needle to productivity so that you don't get stuck in that paralysis. For sure. Do you see with sixes, because they're like worst case scenario planners, are these um, maybe the people that tend to hold on to a lot more like actual physical clutter? Have you seen that? Yeah, I would say, yeah, like they're the people, again, stereotyping. Right. But like when when the height of the pandemic, they were the people that were grabbing all the toilet paper off the (laughs) shelf. Okay. (laughs) You know, just going to store all the things because you never know what you need. Yeah. Right. But it's based out of fear. Right. It's, it was based out of fear versus, say, a two who might be holding on to things emotionally based out of guilt. Like my kid made yeah. this for me. Yeah. So it's a different, they're both holding on to it, but for different reasons. Yeah. That's so interesting. So I love it. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> our sevens are known as the enthusiasts. They're your fun loving people. Your, your sevens love new things. They love excitement. They are your planners, your travelers, your like fly by the seat of your pan people, <laughs> which is great. Where sevens can get into trouble specifically with clutter is they are always planning for their very future oriented, which again, like they're always planning for the future. Three sevens and eights are your future oriented folks. And so they're always planning for the future, but sometimes they don't take time to pause to deal with what's happening in the present. So clutter can build up because they're out doing something more fun. They're the ones (laughs) that are like, I'm going to plan for this. So I'm not going to do what I need to do. So kind of reining it in and saying, I have to put in the work and do it 
is, you know, they, they're the people that would say, you know what, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to talk about my business, but I'm not going to go back in there and I'm not going to take the time to do the data entry. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm not going to do the boring and the mundane because it's boring and mundane and sevens want to be like fun and fun stuff. Oh yeah. I I see this in business being like a lot of the visionaries who are like, I have this idea and then their backend virtual assistants like, okay, but there's like 7,000 steps attached to that. Like we need to slow down a little bit. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And you need all of the types, you know, and that's why, and people will say, you know, you, it's not like one, you're going to see one type Excel only in this industry and this type Excel in this industry, but knowing this and from a business perspective, being able to build your team out and surround yourself with people that will, you know, um, compliment you. And I think so so many more businesses are doing the personality assessments before they hire and making sure they're getting the right players. And I mean, it, it ties into so many different aspects of life for sure. So many things. Okay. So we'll wrap up with our final two. Yours and mine. Yours and mine. I'm so excited. (laughs) So the Enneagram eights, which are known as the challenger and the fun fact, Enneagram eights, specifically women Enneagram eights are the most misunderstood number on the Enneagram because we, our internal motivation is justice. Before I knew the Enneagram, I have it. If you go to my LinkedIn page before I even knew the Enneagram, it says champion of the underdog. That was me. I was like, I will fight for you. I will fight for justice. And I did not know. And when I started reading about the Enneagram, it literally was like champion of the underdog. I was like, oh my gosh, here's language. (laughs) But they are very driven about what's right and what's just. And I always say eights are more concerned about being right than being liked. Okay. And so for me, that is a great altruistic thing, but that can come, that can become abrasive. Like on the counteracting of that, that can become abrasive. So from a leadership perspective, eights make great leaders because they are risk takers. They are not afraid to put themselves out there. They do lead with their gut, but they are analytical people as well. So like there's a good counterbalance and threes and eights make tend to make really strong leaders. Um, It's in the entrepreneurial space. But again, if you're like, I'm a four, does that make me? No, I'm not saying don't be a leader. (laughs) I'm just saying there's a lot of people that are eights and threes that are leaders. Eights need to become really, really mindful. And I've had to learn this, you know, the hard way is you can come across as you're big in the room. Like I'm, I'm big in the room and I don't always realize how big I come across where I'm like, where my kids would be like, mom, you're scary. And I'm like, And people are like, yeah, you are. I'm like, I'm really not. I'm just passionate and I come across that way, but that's not always how it's perceived. So for an eight, biggest thing is make sure that you slow down and really be aware of the other people that you're in your sandbox with you. So if you're on a team or you're working with a client, not everybody's working at the speed of an eight. So (laughs) tone it down. Tone it down a little bit. We do need, like you said, the balance. And I think it's just your dominant, right? Like we all have tendencies in all of these, but it's going to be your most dominant that's going to affect that. Correct. Absolutely. And for me, I can speak for myself. Um, I don't tend to struggle with a lot of emotional clutter because again, I come at things very from a practicality standpoint, Um, but calendar clutter is a big thing for me. And I have to be really intentional about not saying yes to things because 
when people start to see you, and this goes in any walk of life, if people see you as a doer, then they know that the next time they need something done, they're going to come to you. 100%. And so you're constantly being asked to sit on this committee, sit on this board, volunteer for this, help out with that. And you it's know, all and- back to the justice, right? You're like, oh, I love that cause. And you start saying yes to all of the things. And then your calendar yeah. fills up so, so quickly. Yeah. So just be mindful of that. Sure. And then my app will will wrap up with my favorite number. And I'm not just saying that because it's yours. It is truly yeah. my favorite number on the Enneagram, which are the Enneagram nines. They are the peacemakers. And your unconscious motivation is really to just have peace and harmony in the world. As much as eights get charged, we get charged in energy from conflict. Like I don't see conflict is a bad thing. Yeah. Nines are like allergic. And I don't know if you can relate <laughs> to this, but yeah, but typically speaking, nines do not like conflict and will avoid it at any cost. And it is, there's a lot of nines, actually a lot of like pastors are nines. Like there's a lot of people in, there's a lot of leadership in nines, but in different industries, right? I think that's another thing. It's important to point out. I think you could be leaders with any type. I think you just need to look at the different industries and the types of people that they're attracting. Nines are go with the flow people though, a lot where, and I know you're a productivity person, so you've probably mastered this, but a lot of nines struggle with prioritizing what's important because they'll see a like a list of things and not one necessarily stands out as I should do this first or this second, yeah. or they'll say, this is the top thing on my pile. So I'll do it first versus it might not be the most important thing. I can definitely see that. And again, back to the skill, right? Like I have started to master that and say like, no, this is taking priority over this, but I still struggle. And I'm like, but it's all important. And I'm just going to do it in the order that it's there <laughs> because yeah. it's in a list. <laughs> yeah. And and so there's a couple things for nines. So specifically, like I would say if you're in business, turn off your note. Well, I would say this for anybody, turn off your notifications. Right. <laughs> but specific, okay. So that's like a rule number one, right? And I'm sure you teach this to your people. I absolutely do. But specifically for your nines, because you can be easily distracted. If an email comes in, then all of a sudden you're doing what just came in versus what is actually important. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. So, so that's another thing. Um, and also nines can struggle with counter clutter too, because they don't want to have conflict and they can see <laughs> saying no as conflict. So I don't want to say no to somebody. I'll just say yes to be agreeable, yep. but then it comes to their detriment. Yes. And so 100%. I struggle. And again, back to the skill, right? Like I struggle with it hardcore. I now know these things about myself and I can proactively like go against it and be like, no, like we've got to protect the boundaries, but it still creeps in sometimes for sure. And I think it's great. And I love that you're nine because of what you do. Yeah. Because again, it's, it's showing the world that it's not like, okay, um, this is my, this is my type. This is my personality. So I'm yeah. just going to throw caution to the wind. Yeah. <laughs> you can do, you can put these strategies and practices Absolutely. into place in all aspects of your life, professionally, yeah. personally, relationally to make yourself a healthier, best version. And that's really what I'm trying to do is help people use this tool to help them pinpoint the areas where they're struggling. Yeah. Because once you have the clarity and you know, it's so much easier to fix the thing, right? Yes. So, um, this has been so awesome and I'm sure super eye opening. So I know that you could probably talk about this for hours. (laughs) 
on end, right? I know you've got your book. So is that kind of where they would go to find more information yeah. about that? Like where can they kind of learn some of these strategies? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is the best place. It's my hub. So yep. that is, um, and I'm sure you'll link up to it. It's yep. simply the letter B like boy organized.com. And that's yep. where I am all over social media. I talk about the strategies in my book, Hot Mass. I'm actually, I have a, a digital course right now about Enneagram and clutter, which you can oh, look at. And it's, yeah. Um, and there's like mini courses. You could just look at your type if you want to just look at your own personality and, yeah. and then you can go on from there. Yeah. And I'm in the process of writing a book about this. So oh, cool. um, I don't have a published date yet, but stay yeah. tuned. <laughs> so if you guys want to be in the know, make sure that you like connect up with us on social media or, you know, through get on your email my website, get that. on my email list. Um, and again, just go to my website and that's the hub for everything. Well, everybody go check her out. Um, I have not read her book, but I am going to, because I can, I, I'm sure I can get tons from this even though this is a lot of what I did and what I do now. So um, thank you so much, Lori, for coming on and for your time. And uh, we're excited to share this with our listeners. Thanks so much.